Judy Human, who is a uh, very prominent figure in the disability rights movement, she had this great line. She said, there's really no such thing as disability rights, it's civil rights. People with disabilities are asking for the same things that we all ask for, to be treated with dignity and respect. And a lot of times they feel as if that gets overlooked. Hi there, I'm Yumika Anderson Howard, DEI manager at Dwayne Morris. This week on Dwayne Morris DNI 360 with Joe West, we have our very own trial partner, Michael Zulo, having a candid conversation with Joe on the impact of ADA and the disability landscape. Hello, everyone. This is Joseph West, partner here at Dwayne Morris and the firm's chief diversity and inclusion officer. Uh, with us today is uh, one of my favorite people to work with in the firm and just an all around great guy. In addition to being an extraordinary lawyer, a partner in our trial group, Michael Zulo. Michael, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Joe. It's Friday, the sun's out. Uh, we're finally above 30 degrees. So, you know, it's good to see you, my friend. Well, as we're recording this, I'm actually working in our Chicago office and uh, it's bitterly cold still here, Michael. So thank you for that. Oh, well, I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike, in addition to being, as I mentioned, uh, just a fantastic trial lawyer uh, and a, an extraordinary partner at Dwayne Morris, uh, you are an advocate for issues uh, centered around disability. Before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about your practice, what you do at the firm, how long you've been at Dwayne Morris. Uh, and something to help us get to know you as a trial lawyer. Sure. Um, so I hate even saying I've been at the firm since uh, 2003. Uh, it really dates me, but um, I'm a lifer here at the firm. I started as a summer associate. Uh, I'm in the, I've been in the trial group. And for the past 12 to 15 years, primarily my focus has been in financial services litigation representing a lot of banks and other financial institutions and all of the problems that they get embroiled in. Um, we've got a great relationship with a couple large national banks. Uh, they keep us busy. Um, Joe, you, as you know, uh, those cases can get uh, interesting. Um, you helped us out with a couple of them that I would say were definitely uh, on the more interesting side of the litigation we see and we appreciate it. Um, and. Uh, you know, other than that, it's uh, it's been a great place to be. I, I you know, know so many people here in so many different offices and um, really, you know, love the firm and admire uh, all of the effort that the firm puts into all of the different initiatives, including uh, bringing you on some years back to, you know, spearhead the diversity and inclusion initiative. Well, thank you for that, Michael. Uh, you're right. We, it's been a mutually beneficial relationship from a litigation standpoint. I, I was able to uh, jump in on some cases with you uh, recently that were, did prove to be very interesting. And of course, I still recall uh, my being able to tap into your expertise to pitch one of my clients uh, for uh, some work a few years ago. And I still recall not just how willing you were to jump in and help, but how uh, extraordinarily impressive you were during the pitch session. Uh, the general counsel for that company uh, remarked on 
your skill and your expertise and your presentation. So thank you for that. Um, well, thank you. Thanks for thanks for giving me a chance. And it was it was a fun day. And we were in Chicago, right? Or just a little bit outside of it. We, we were in Chicago. Uh, so you mentioned uh, the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. You recently joined the committee uh, and have uh, contributed already. What's the reason why you decided to accept uh, my invitation to join uh, the Diversity and Inclusion Committee at the firm? Well, first, thank you for inviting me. Um, I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Um, it was you know, sort of a no-brainer for me uh, because I see all of the good work that you and the committee are doing. And um, I just wanted to contribute you know, where I could contribute. And particularly as a person with a disability, um, it's, an, uh, it's an area that sometimes, uh, and this is not, you've done a fabulous job of making sure to always include it, but uh, in the general conversation, um, it's an area that sometimes, I don't wanna say gets overlooked, but it, it doesn't, um, you don't have the voices you know, in that space the way you do in the other spaces. Uh, and so I just wanted to be part of the, the change and you know, lend my voice to the, to the chorus, so to speak. Well, you, you've alluded to the fact that oftentimes disability is overlooked and uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, all of us could learn a lesson about making sure we're mindful of being inclusive of disability when we talk about inclusion and we talk about uh, the diversity and inclusion space. You first brought this to my attention, uh, I think a year or so ago, during one of the weekly calls we had established for uh, our diverse population at the firm when the pandemic happened. Uh, we started our three C calls, the C standing for communication, continuity, uh, and community. Uh, and one of the focuses of that meeting in particular was disability. And uh, you spoke very movingly about this issue. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then I want you to preview something that you're actually helping to arrange for our upcoming diversity and inclusion retreat. Sure. Um, yeah, so the pandemic uh, was, it's, it's, you know, it's been an interesting time for everyone. Um, and, you know, look, the one thing with the disability community that is, I think, um, hard sometimes for people to get their head around is, uh, and, and I don't mean to say that other communities are monolithic, but the disability community has so many different uh, constituents with different issues. So you have people with visual impairment, people with hearing impairment like myself, people with mobility issues, people with um, you know, mental health issues. Uh, so there's so many issues that affect the community. And you know, for years, um, you know, what people have thought of the ADA, for example, you know, the 30 year anniversary, anniversary of the ADA was a couple of years back. And the ADA is all about getting, you know, access to public facilities. Um, and it's, it's a landmark piece of legislation, but it doesn't go far enough. So for example, there's litigation all over the country right now about website accessibility and is a public website, a place of public accommodation under the ADA such that uh, visually impaired people should expect to have, you know, accessible websites when they go to those websites. Um, and so, you know, bringing it back to the pandemic, what happened when the pandemic hit 
is I think a lot of people who have not had to deal with issues uh, around just getting to work and doing your job all of a sudden had to adapt. You know, um, everyone was working from home and everyone had to figure out technology and everyone had to figure out how to make it work. And there are people in the disability space who have been saying for years, I can do my job. I just need some minor accommodations. Um, and, you know, so now we're two years in and we've figured out a way to accommodate uh, the work, the entire workforce, for, you know, for the most part. Um, there are certainly people who physically need to be, you know, at their jobs and they can't work from home. But um, there are so many people that have been able to find a new normal. And, you know, it's been, in, in the one hand, it's been great for the disability community because it's allowed people with disabilities to take advantage of these accommodations. But on the other hand, there's certainly a little bit of a, so it took a pandemic for people to start thinking about, you know, this. Um, so, you know, I, I, it was one of those moments where uh, a, a teaching opportunity, I guess, if you will. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the opportunity that you gave me to, you know, to talk to the firm about it. Well, we're the lucky ones for having uh, you're having accepted our invitation to join the committee uh, and you're already proving your worth and your expertise and the contribution that you can make um, by what you're helping to plan for uh, the diversity inclusion retreat. Uh, for people who don't know, we have a diversity inclusion retreat every year. Um, it is in May, typically, and it'll be in May again this year, uh, the kickoff event is our uh, George Boyer Vashon lecture, which is the portion of the retreat that's open to outsiders. But the retreat itself focuses on uh, basically including and providing opportunities for growth and development for our diverse population in, in the firm, diverse population of lawyers. Uh, and we try to always include a segment on disability. And, You've been very instrumental in planning the disability segment for the retreat. Tell us a little bit about what you've got planned, Mike. Sure, and I won't bury the lead too much, but I think um, I, I do want to say it's kind of a, it's a, a you know, it's a, it's a great moment for the firm because this whole thing really goes back to a diversity and inclusion retreat that I attended, I'm gonna say seven years ago, Joe. Um, and what happened is uh, I was at that retreat. It was the first time I had attended one of the retreats. And the keynote speaker was a gentleman named Fred Moss. And Fred is a, was an executive at Comcast. And he is a uh, paraplegic. Um, and he talked about his experience as a person with a disability. Uh, it was a boating accident that happened that you know caused his injury. Um, and I remember listening to him speak and thinking to myself, geez, I got to do more. And so I went up afterwards and introduced myself to Fred and said, you know, what, what can I do? How can I, you know, help here? And uh, Fred said, well, I'm on the board of the American Association of People with Disabilities. I'd love to get you involved. And um, I said, sure, just tell me what to do. So Fred, you know, put my name up as a nomination and you know, I've been serving on that board for some time now, and the immediate past chair of the board uh, is a gentleman that many people have probably heard of, Ted Kennedy Jr. Um, and Ted and I have worked together over the past couple of years uh, on a lot of issues. And you know, being a lawyer, 
uh, can task me with running the governance committee for the AAPD. Uh, so, um, which was a, you know, it, it was a learning experience and a fun experience. Uh, but so when, you know, you gave us the, uh, the platform to talk about disability issues at the upcoming retreat, I thought, you know, it'd be great to get Ted, if he can do it, and if he has the time to come and talk about it, because, you know, Ted's really been at the forefront of this very issue. What, you know, how do we get disability into the broader conversation of, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, and he has so many, he's been such a, you know, strong leader in that space, and he has so many, you know, great thoughts to share. So uh, I reached out to Ted, and he said he's happy to do it. So um, I don't know, unfortunately, if he's going to make it down in person, Joe, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll figure that out, uh, and it'll be an engaging piece, I'm sure. Well, at the risk of sounding like uh, Will Farrell's character uh, in the Anchorman, it's kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> and we are so excited uh, that you've been able to pull that off. Um, in, in the couple of minutes we have left, Michael, I want to ask you to share with people who might not have a disability who might not know or be close to or have a relative who has a disability, um, some of the things that people need to understand about lawyers or anyone in the workplace uh, who has a disability uh, that they might not be cognizant of. I know that's kind of a broad question, but yeah. what are some of the things that come to mind that you wanna share with people that they need to know? I think, um... I would say it like this. People with disabilities are just like all of us. And we live with our disabilities the same way that everyone lives with their circumstances. Um, and I mean that to say, I think some, there's two parts to this conversation. There are many people who have disabilities who are reluctant to talk about them, to share them um, and to seek accommodations. And speaking for myself, my personal experience is I think people are concerned. There's a stigma that gets associated with it. Um, they don't want to be seen as either a burden or, you know, as, as needing extra assistance to do their jobs. They're ready, willing, and able. Um, and so I think for people who don't have disabilities, it's important to, you know, first of all, it's okay to ask. Um, you know, it's okay to ask, hey, can you hear me? You know, I, I recognize you have a, a hearing problem. Is there any issue with the audio? Um, is there anything that we can do to make this uh, more accessible to you? Um, because I think opening up the conversation that way allows the person on the other end to say, oh, I appreciate you asking. Actually, now that you mention it, you know, and they can start a conversation. Uh, and I think the other thing, you know, in my experience, Joe, is people with disabilities. It, so Judy Human, who is a uh, <clears throat> very prominent figure in the disability rights movement going back to the 70s, she had this great line one time where she said, you know, there's really no such thing as disability rights. It's civil rights. And her point was, you know, the same things, people with disabilities are asking for the same things that we all ask for, 
you know, to be treated with dignity and respect. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people with disabilities, they, they feel as if that gets overlooked. For example, just to go back to the pandemic, and I think I've said this before, when the pandemic, you know, was in its you know, raging early on, um, there were public policy discussions about, you know, do we treat people with disabilities when they come into the hospital with severe cases of COVID? Uh, I mean, that was that was out in the open. That wasn't, <laughs> you know, um, and so it's it's one of those things where that there's a long history of that. So um, so I just, you know, I think that we need to have conversations. We need to have dialogues. I want people to ask me about it. I've been that way my whole life. I wear hearing aids. I'm not ashamed of it. Part of who I am. I can tell you what it means and I can laugh about it, you know, when people ask me things and I answer a completely different question. <laughs> you also told a joke about not necessarily uh, about pretending not to hear at home when the kids are. Uh... <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. Perhaps I shouldn't have outed you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, believe me. Uh, my wife and my daughters have figured that one out. <laughs> so one last question. It's related to the one I just asked. Um, you alluded earlier to the uh, anniversary of uh, uh, of ADA, um, the Americans with Disability Act, which I think was 86, if I'm not mistaken, um, when it was passed and signed into law. Um, yep. in, in the time period since ADA, um, have there been improvements in the understanding, the treatment and the acceptance and support for uh, people with disabilities and for as you mentioned, uh, the obligation for society to elevate it to a civil right. Um, yeah. Have things improved? And uh, if the answer is yes, how much further do we still have to go in this space? Well, so I, I think the answer is yes, because 1986 was, you know, 30, 30 years ago. Um, I, you know, legislatively, as I'm talking to you, I can't think of any landmark legislation that has been passed. Uh, I think, as is often the case with social issues, and I, I'm not saying this is a social issue, but, um, you know, society leads, and then sometimes the legislation follows, and technology has gotten much better, so accessibility has become, you know, less of an issue uh, with all the new construction, over that 30-year period, those buildings are certainly much more accessible than the stuff, uh, you know, that was around when I was, you know, a young kid. Um, so in that sense, it has, and I think people are, you know, more cognizant of it. Um, I was really encouraged when, uh, you know, Joe Biden was elected. I'm not making a political statement here, but when they ran the, um, you know, the inauguration coverage. Uh, if you recall, there were very prominent representations of people with disabilities in many of the segments. Um, yes. My daughter can buy a Barbie in a wheelchair now. Um, so it's, it's the conversation is moving in the right direction. There's still a long way to go. Um, and I think the pandemic is going to push the conversation even further in the right direction because, you know, one of the things that's coming out of it now is people with disabilities who have had these accommodations of working from home, you know, 
do they really need to come back to the office to continue to do their job? Or can they work out a reasonable accommodation with their employer uh, to work from home maybe two, three days a week? Because look, we don't think about it every day, but someone in a wheelchair commuting on a subway every day, you know, that's, that's a lot of lost productivity. Um, it's not to say it can't be done, but you know, is it necessary? So, so listen, um, Michael, thank you. Uh, I appreciate, first of all, uh, thank you for your friendship. Uh, thank you for being just a fantastic law partner of mine and all of the partners at the firm and, and a mentor for the associates and others. Uh, and thank you for what you're doing in the, the disability space, the disability community. Uh, I, I'll just end by saying to people out there who also may not know you, that you are by far the best dressed lawyer in the firm. I, I decided uh, after I met you that I would give up my subscription to GQ and just look to see what you were wearing. Uh, so I look forward to seeing you uh, next week at our partners meeting and uh, always a pleasure to connect with you, my friend. Thank you, Joe. Um, just two things before we sign off. One, appreciate your friendship and your leadership and really, um, you know, the opportunity to talk about these issues. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to some of our colleagues who, you know, have disabilities. So thank you for the opportunity. And then the second thing is, I'm not going to hear any of that GQ nonsense. As you sit there in your beautiful tie and <laughs> nice checkered blazer and, you know, for people on the audio, uh, this, this, you know, Joe is winning this fight today on the uh, sartorial side. So I, I don't want to hear about it. Every, everything you said today has been accurate except that last statement. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Take care, buddy. Right. Take care. Have a good weekend, Joe. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.